Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who would prefer a symphony to a motorcycle show, my musically inclined friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I do love a good symphony and always love, you know, going to the theater to hear one. Uh, motorcycle show, not, not as exciting for me. Uh, but, you know, I've been hanging out with Peter Parker too much because I think I picked up a cold today. Well, the good news for you is that I have me doing summaries today and you just doing the little, uh, you know, intro part of the summary. So that way there, there'll be a lot more of my voice and your cold voice can have a little bit of a rest. And we need you to chime in with your insight. You'll be more well rested than ever. Great, great. But you know, my spidey sense is a little off. So that's wonderful. (laughs) We understand. Well, if you're ready, why don't you start with the title and credits for the first of our five books we're doing today, Eddie? Five. Woo! All right. From September of 1973, Marvel Team Up 13, Spidey and Captain America in The Granite Sky. Story by Len Wynn, art by Gil Kane, and F. Giacola. I think we've been going with Len Wien. Sorry. No, no, it's not wrong. <laughs> we don't know. We, we've right. just been saying Wien. Okay. Could be, could be Wynn, could be Wine. I think we've been saying Wien. So okay. I only mentioned it because you're going to have to say it four more times today. So, <laughs> All right. you know, let's try that one. Give it a try. <laughs> This first book begins as Spider-Man is still not over Gwen and the villainous gray gargoyle returns from space like a meteor into the ocean. And we witness his power as he turns a drunk dock worker, Nathaniel, who appeared in Marvel Team-Up 2, by the way, to stone. Spider-Man fights some AIM soldiers, which leads him to meeting up with Captain America. The two are beamed aboard. That's right, they're beamed aboard, Eddie. A S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier where Nick Fury tells them to go after AIM once more. The two heroes run again into the Grey Gargoyle, who appears to turn them both to stone. However, as they are about to be launched into space, the effects wear off and the defeated Grey Gargoyle ends up himself being launched into space instead. I like how this book refers to previous Captain America storylines, including some issue numbers. And like most Marvel team-ups, it does conclude quickly, but with a wacky plot twist. Yeah, I like how they tie in with the characters that are in them quite nicely. Uh, Agree there. And this gray gargoyle, I mean... (laughs) I can't understand. He's a little bit... He reminds me of the lizard. He, there's a point where he says, I want to turn everyone into stone. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess if like your superpower is that or super villainous power is that, then that's what you want to do is make everyone the same as you. <laughs> this kind of bothers me, but I am also happy to see Nathaniel again at the dock. And I like <laughs> I like his lines. I don't know why, but the strangest things keep happening on this blinking dock. <laughs> Yeah, I don't love this book. I do have to say, though, I think in the five issues we're going to discuss today, I think they get progressively worse. What I like about the first one, the second one's okay, and just keeps going on and on. So I, I want to spend a little more time on the books I like a little more. Okay. So because this is the first one, I will say that the Great Gargoyle, I kind of like him as a villain. I like his fact that he has a backstory that he's out in space and why he's there. And then he shows up again and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's returned from space in this issue, the continuity. And then I realized at the end, they end up launching him back into space. <laughs> so it's like, he's still there. So if you're waiting for him in, you know, in the Captain America books, it's okay. He's still there. It's just as if he never actually came back down. 
<laughs> yes, launched back into space. The only thing that bothered me about the Great Gargoyle was I thought he killed Nathaniel on the dock when he turned him into stone, but we learned later that his power only lasts an hour? He only can turn someone um, into stone for an hour? I disagree I here. Okay. I think he did kill Nathaniel on the dock, Ooh. and I think Captain America and Spider-Man are superhuman humans, and that's why it wore off on them. Wow. I, I know they say, like, they think it's some aspect of their physical body, but... We can disagree. I, it's fine. If you don't right. be- we, won't, we won't be able to see Nathaniel again. I'm super bummed. <laughs> I like the Doc interactions. You could be right. I'm not... I just thought that's what it was. I thought he... How many other people did he turn to stone in this issue? A total of three, I think. So... Off of that evidence, two out of the three got out of the stone, and that's why I thought, what kind of superpower is this? This doesn't work really well. That is kind of a a tricky uh, sample size that didn't affect the two heroes, and we don't get back to the doc to see what it affected as far as Nathaniel, so we don't really know. Uh, Did you see where Spidey took a seat at the uh, Flying Shield headquarters? He, like, webbed himself up a hammock and sat cross-legged while Nick Fury and Captain America went over whatever plan they were coming up with. And I'm like, okay, Spidey, because he was he was swinging around, and then he just made himself a chair. So, all right. Did you catch my comment on the fact that they were beamed up? Yeah, well, I, I heard you say that. I was like, were they? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Star Trek. Yes. You know, really, you could have fooled me. And he's like, no sense in arguing hero i guess i'll see you and it goes bloop and it says around and then hey what's this a second ago we were standing on a rooftop and now oh boy and they're in the shield headquarters they literally beamed yep that was it right up well we get an allusion to spock later on so i'm gonna tell you about from october of 1973 marvel team up 14 spidey and the savage submariner mayhem is the menfish story by lynn what did we say? Hold on. What did we say this name was again? <laughs> Story by Lynn Wang. Art by Gil Kane. Spider-Man is trying to stop a mugging, but the victim turns out to be Namor the Submariner. Tiger Shark, who was created by Dr. Dorcas, killed Namor's father, and he is about to catch him when Spider-Man interferes, allowing Tiger Shark to escape. Uh, guilt-ridden, Spider-Man uses some radioactive spider sense to track Tiger Shark to Dorcas's underwater lair below a large ocean ship. The heroes descend to the lair, but are tricked, and Spidey's trapped in glass. But they leave Spider-Man those little air holes. He webs through them onto a valve, which he then turns, allowing water into the chamber, awakening Subby, who breaks the glass, freeing Spider-Man. Everyone escapes, and the ship and the lair explode. Did you say Dr. Dorcas? <laughs> yeah. How would you say his name? I agree with you. That's the way I said it. Dr. Dorcas Malorcas. <laughs> so, this is this is one of gotta be one of the goofiest names I've heard. What is Dorcas Malorcas? <laughs> That's just I don't know. It rhymes with Dorcas and That doesn't bother me at all, it. Dr. Dorcas. Really? D O R C A S? It's so close to being a dork. <laughs> sure, Eddie. Sure. Uh, I'll keep going here. So Tiger Shark is a big time villain for Submariner. He is maybe the number one foe for him. It's the Doctor Doom to the Fantastic Four. It's the Green Goblin to Spider-Man. So um, appearing in this book is is, is a big is a big get. Uh, Of course, Submariner is also himself often a villain. Um, I actually thought this was a pretty okay story. 
yeah, it was okay. It, it was an interesting read. I lost kind of what was going on for a little while because, well, Spider-Man's fighting Submariner and he's helping Submariner. And then it gets a little confused when they're giving the backstory. But then we see Spider-Man escape in your favorite method, James B., don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> A tiny cylindrical cage with little tiny air holes that Spider-Man can shoot his web through. That's right. And they're made of glass, too, which the difficulty to make a glass tube and to drill holes into glass. Jeez. I don't need to be a, you know, a, a tech teacher to know you don't drill through glass very easily. <laughs> that thing will just crack. So to go through all this effort, they're like, make sure we make these little air holes. And he shoots the web through. And he sort of like was able to like control it, like the way that you would pull a blind, like to open and close your drapes. He's able yes. to like twist with his webs the handle that controls the water flow. And of course, if water touches Namor, all bets are off. It's like Popeye and his spinach. Well, yeah, that, that would mean something to you, some people. <laughs> Popeye and his chicken to your generation, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, you got anything else to say about, uh, you know, the mayhem? is the men fish. We didn't even talk about the fact that there's these men fish in the book. There's, you know, are they worth talking about? At some point they released the men fish and it's like these four, I don't know, half man, half fish things that show up for a panel or two, get punched around a little bit and then they're out of there. Right. Yeah. The the idea is to kind of take Namor's power and put it into the men fish is what's happening here, but they never really get it. So, Sorry, menfish. I guess they're kind of weak and dumb both at the same time. Because <laughs> they, they like do the infamous, like, we'll leave the room right now. And hopefully right. the, everything goes fine. Well, by far the most important thing in this book is Namor swimming while Spider-Man is water skiing on some web skis, James B. He's made something from his web. <laughs> That's excellent. He, <laughs> it's a great way to travel. It's not the most interesting way Spider-Man's going to travel, I don't think, in this series. Why don't you tell us what happens in the third of our five issues? From November of 1973, Marvel Team 15, Spidey and Ghost Rider in If an Eye Offend Thee, story by Len Wein, art by Ross Andrew. MJ, yes, she's in the book finally, convinces Spider-Man to take in a motorcycle show featuring Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider's girlfriend, Roxanne. A villain called The Orb appears on motorcycles and hypnotizes the police and all the fans except Spidey. We find out that he once co-owned the cycle show, this is The Orb, uh, with Roxanne's father, Crash, and he wants it back. Holding Roxanne hostage, Spidey rides a cycle and helps rescue Roxanne. The Orb drives his bike into a train, apparently dying, but no body is found. Ghost Rider tells Spidey at the end, hey, I'm not wearing a mask. And the book ends without Peter ever seeing MJ again. Eddie, I know you were thinking this too. It's somewhat reminiscent of a couple issues we've read with Spider-Man. Probably most notably uh, Amazing Spider-Man 16, the Ringmaster issue of Spider-Man with Daredevil, where a battle takes place without really anybody knowing. Yes. I also want to comment that these first three Marvel team-ups require a lot of backstory from the villains. Yeah. These things, they stop and say, let me tell you all about the villains for like four or five pages. It's just like, you need to know so much because everybody is new to the reader. Um, they introduce characters that even if you know them, you're going to have to hear the whole story behind it. So uh, do you have any comments on either of those two topics? Uh, yes, this villain, 
let me just make sure the listeners understand what the orb, which is a rather ridiculous name is. Um, he's on a motorcycle, and for his face and head, he is just a giant eyeball. <laughs> and when he cruised in there, I'm like, wait, what? What is that? And I, apparently this is a specialized helmet that he uses to hypnotize the crowd, as stated before. Uh, and then he manages to get away, but this orb, it's its pretty odd and silly, we could say, right, James B? No? Yeah. Um, I mean, the eyeball reminds me of when they have those Halloween candies and they have just like a candy eyeball. You know, it looks like that. Yes. Yeah, it looks like, yes, you are exactly well, the right. The reason he has to wear this helmet all the time is because he was racing against uh, Crash, which is the only name given to Roxanne's father, in a like little race and a cross country race. And the winner will own the whole motorcycle show. And he got in an accident and was horribly deformed. So he just wears this motorcycle helmet everywhere he goes all the time. And this is by far the best part of this book because not only do they say this is a cross country race and like up within a very short distance, he tries to kick Ghost Rider, you know, or whoever Ghost Rider was before off his no, bike. No, it's not Ghost Rider. He's kicking, that's him kicking Crash. Roxanne's oh, father is I Crash. See. He's the one oh. who's going to race him. And then, you know, of course, they're racing and the and the villain, basically, um, whose name is Drake. And the father says, sorry, this happened, Drake. If there had been some other way. And he goes, sure, crash old sport. You can afford to be sorry. The cycle show is yours for now. But someday, someday it'll be mine. So get out of here. And then he's like, he's like, you know, I never saw them again, you know, blah, 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 blah. And now that the show is owned by like Roxanne and uh, um, Ghost Rider, uh-huh. he came to get his revenge and he, he took, he captured her and said like, I'm holding her hostage. And then Ghost Rider's like, well, there's only one thing we got to do. We'll just give him the cycle show, you know? But <laughs> he, he wrote him a contract and said, here you go. You can have the show. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. I tricked you. I'm the orb. And then, you know, later on, Johnny's, uh, Ghost Rider's like, well, I tricked him anyway. It wasn't. I was lying uh, to him. He's, he's got a great Santa Claus outfit, but we got to go back to if only there had been some other way. Like, you couldn't uh, work this out any other way than racing each other and trying to knock the other guy off the bike that he got horribly disfigured. It's a hilarious uh, plot line right there and uh, goes on to being rather silly towards the end too. So, Yeah, and um, for some reason, you know, uh, Spider-Man's got to be like, hey, check out that guy's uh, really awesome mask. What a great mask you have, dude. I love your mask. And then at the end, he's like, it's not a mask. And you're like, whoa, Ghost Rider's not wearing a mask. Why don't you take me to the fourth of our five books? It sounds good. From December of 19... Hold on. Before I start, Lynn, Len... No, no, no. It's good. You said it three different ways so far. Oh, Let's just keep the tradition God. going. <laughs> All right, here I go. From December of 1973, Marvel Team Up 16, Spider-Man and Captain Marvel in Beware the Basilisk, My Son. Story by Lynn. Ween. Art by Gil Kane. A jewel thief accidentally steals a gem that is actually one of two powerful Kree artifacts. It gives him the ability to shoot rays from his eyes. And he's called now the Basilisk. 
Captain Marvel, who is sharing a body with Rick Jones, um, I think Shazam or Space Ace, if you know the references, um, he's on the trail of these stones when Spider-Man also gets involved. Eventually, Captain Marvel gets trapped inside the second stone, I think, and then disappears as Spider-Man opts to let the basilisk flee. Um, yeah, he, he's... You heard me correctly, listeners. He's trapped inside the stone. The stone grows and it's as big as him. He's like trapped in it. Eddie, how would you explain this to people? It's like the stone expands and he's in it. And, you know, without giving too much away, he can't really move when he's inside it, I guess. And it's like it start, it's like if you start off with like a baseball in your hand, but all of a sudden it engulfs you. Now you're like a hamster inside of a giant ball. Yes, you know, human-sized hamster ball. It's just huge. Um, Eddie, I would hate to have. I would hate to have this book and not the following book. Uh, it would be. I almost gave away what happens in the next one because it's so pertinent to this one. But I, I got to talk about this basilisk. First of all, the way his name is conjured. <laughs> Did you see how he came up with his name? I left that. For, I left that right there for you. Go ahead, take it. <laughs> Thank you. This guy's name is uh, Basil Elks. And they decided to call me in prison Basilisk. <laughs> Actually, I think his name is Basilisk. <laughs> Basilisk. I was just all off with names tonight, but this is a ridiculous combination put together. Only shown up by how the Basilisk flies. Did you? I, I, I need to describe this to listeners. The basilisk flies by shooting his rays out of his eyes. Yep. Kind of while he's leaning forward. <laughs> and he just goes up into the air. And it is the strangest mode of transportation I've ever seen any villain or hero do. It's like a rocket. He's just propelling himself. But instead of shooting it out of his feet, which would be fine, or off his jetpack, he shoots it off his eyes. That, that's all I've got for Marvel Team-Up number 16, James B. So, Eddie, why don't you give us that last book from January of 1974, Marvel Team-Up 17, Spider-Man and Mr. Fantastic in Chaos at the Earth's Core. Story by Lynn... <laughs> What's wrong with me today? Lynn... Lynn Wynn. Art by Gil Kane. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, James B. Tell us about it. Spider-Man is unknowingly being followed by the Basilisk. As he seeks out Mr. Fantastic, they determine the Omega Stone is in the center of the Earth. They go down and are captured by the Mole Man, just like in Marvel Team-Up 7. Wait, was that real or was that an April Fool's Day trick in episode 71? (laughs) Well, speaking of tricks, after playing Possum, Spider-Man and Mr. Fantastic both escape as the Basilisk appears and then everyone sort of fights everyone. Uh, Suddenly, Captain Marvel moves his hands together and transforms back into Rick Jones. And there's all kinds of explosions. And stuff happens, and all the bad guys sort of appear to die. All the good guys escape. Eddie, remember when I said a moment ago that I would hate to have Marvel Team Up 16 and not Marvel Team Up 17? I changed my mind. This book was awful. (laughs) I I like to think that Reed Richards um, is a smart man and prides himself on being so, but... Let me just detail here. They get in the um, fantastic uh, flying fliver, as Spider-Man puts it, and fly down a giant tunnel to the center of the Earth and then get off their fly fliver and 
just immediately get surrounded by Molman's inhabitants of the center of the earth. And that, what what was the plan here? Like, why was that a good idea? Because it really wasn't at all. They were playing possum. <laughs> they get captured immediately. And it looks very bad. So They wanted the Moloids to bring them to the center of the earth where they, they, where they could get Captain Marvel. They couldn't just fly the flyer to the bull man. All right. All this right, issue whatever. is loaded with so many problems. <laughs> Mr. Fantastic is having a bad day and he comes in here and like, he has to do things for the reader, which annoy me because he says things like web slinger. If by now you don't recognize Mr. Fantastic, there's something very wrong with you. I'm like, of course he knows who he is. They, it's like, come on, guys. Like, one, you, you, you try to break in his headquarters, like, back in 1963, you know, so he knows you from that. He also gave you a ride in the annual so you could, like, do the research on your dad. You're, you're with Johnny Storm all the time. I mean, this isn't like he, they don't know each other, but he keeps calling him web slinger, web slinger, and... And he's like, uh, it just he calls him Richards. It's just really awkward, and uh, and it's just uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's a terrible. It is a pretty terrible book. Let, I, let me let me do something to make you feel better. Okay, I'm ready, James B. Eddie, with Cinco de Cuatro coming up, I know you're probably going to be going like most Americans, partying for a full 24 hours, but your kids need to have some fun as well. Well, there are some new toys you might enjoy. That's right. Celebrate Cinco de Cuatro with the all-new Spider-Man action figures from Marvel Team-Up 13 through 17. This four-pack of figures includes Nathaniel, the drunk dock worker from Marvel Team-Up 13. He also was in Marvel Team-Up 2, if you remember. Dr. Dorcas, who created Tiger Shark and appears in Marvel Team-Up 14. Roxanne's father, Crash, from the Marvel Team-Up 15 flashback. And you couldn't really call it a Spider-Man action figure collection without, from Marvel Team of 17, you guessed it, a Moloid. Although they never met, you could create exciting adventures, such as, like, Dr. Dorcas could ask Nathaniel if he wants to be like Tiger Shark. Eddie, it's hours of fun. This four-pack is normally $99.95, but give them the code a swift death for fools, and Let's Read Spider-Man listeners receive 10% off. So I'm getting... The drunk dock worker and uh, Roxanne's father, Dr. Dorcas, instead of, like, Namor? Is that correct? Well, Eddie, Namor has, like, his own comic series. And yeah. You, your, your daughters wouldn't be like, oh, this is uh, from the... They wouldn't even know. But if you get them, Nathaniel the drunk work, dock worker, they can be like, oh, this is from the Marvel team-ups. I understand he's a Marvel team-up 2 and 13, but still, the memory of 13, you know, it's... It's Nathaniel, the junk dock worker. It's, I, don't even tell me it's the stone version of him, too, or is it the... You know what? That's part of the surprise. We, <laughs> you and I still don't even know if he's stone right now or not. So I'm I'm getting a stone version of Nathaniel, the drunk uh, dock worker, instead of maybe a Spider-Man action figure? I believe so. But that's so unique. People will be like, hey, they'll walk in your house and say, hey, uh, you know, Violet, Lily, look. Whoa, wow. You guys must have had the Marvel... Team Up 13 uh, series, where if you have Spider-Man, like, <laughs> that could be from, that could have been from Spider-Man from, the Dallas Cowboys. It could be from anything. Who knows? Which is 
what I would really like. I, is there any other figures that come with this package? Maybe like a, a flaming skull ghost rider. That'd be really well. You awesome. get Roxy. You get Roxanne's father, Crash, who is like the original motorcycle guy. So better than like a you know like a Johnny Blaze because you can be like, hey, it's Crash. He's the guy that won the race. You could have him like racing against Doctor Dorcas. You could put them on like motorcycles. There's no motorcycle included, but you could like make your own motorcycles. This is a great four pack. Uh. Did you want? I, I think you know, it's a limit of two, but if you wanted, I might be able to buy some on my end and, and ship them to you if you wanted like four. We 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 got enough toys we don't play with around this house. Uh, you know, I, I missed out on the J. Jonah Safari and J. Jonah uh, Antarctic last time around. Arctic uh, Gear J. Jonah and Jungle Gear J. Jonah? Uh, yes. You know, um, I, I just really think how much fun, just think how much fun you could have when you're like, Roxanne's father could be like, hey, yeah. who are you? And you could be like, I'm Red Bikini Gwen yeah. Stacy. And they could, uh, hours of fun, Eddie, I, hours. I got, I got a feeling it's not too late to get those previous characters. There's probably plenty of them in the warehouse, but uh, not from my household, James B. I, I, this, is this what happens on this holiday that you're describing, too? I, I'm a little unfamiliar. Cinco de Cuatro? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Cinco de Cuatro is when you start partying on uh, May 4th and you use up <laughs> all the party supplies and the food in the area so other people won't be able to party on uh, okay. Cinco de Mayo. We need to move on here. And if you're not you interested in this product, that's fine. Um, i like to tell you something real quick. Two podcasts ago, okay. and when we were, we were doing episode 79, you might remember, I, I kind of like was whining that nobody actually ever emails us. Yes. I've been, been kind of bitter. I've had you only giving out... <laughs> Either the either the the email or the Twitter, because I mean, you know, it's put a lot of work into this, and I yeah, just kind of yeah, thought yeah. nobody was listening. Why am I doing this? Well, Eddie, guess what? It happened. We got an email and a Twitter. Wow. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to hear people are out there. You know, uh, you know, an emailer took a moment and just give us a quick like, "Hey, you're doing a great job. Uh, you guys are covering Spider-Man like a boss. Keep up the good work." And uh, thanks. And then the Twitter one gave us some compliments about our sound effects and uh, had uh, had some opinions about uh, Dr. Bromwell, but I don't want to like cross our sponsor and uh, offered to lend us some expertise if we have any medical uh, questions or needed to bring in a medical expert to our show. So there's people out there and I want to let you guys know that I'm good for another 24 episodes just from those two uh, responses. All right. So I am I am fired up and, and ready to go for six more weeks now. All right. Me too. So, Eddie, why don't you tell us how people can find us via email? Ah, you can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. And how about on Twitter? You can find us on Twitter at letsreadspidey. And I'm going to close this up for us today, Eddie. I'm okay. James B., joined by... Eddie. And remember, listeners, the only way to capture a Spider-Man is in a big glass tube. But the kind without the little air holes. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. That was the Marvel... off my game today. <laughs> That was the Marvel team-ups. What'd you think? It was too, it was too, I needed to prepare myself much better. Uh, you know what I thought? I thought, man, all these other characters are so much more boring than Spider-Man. Am I wrong here? Like, the funniest thing Captain America might say, I guess, could be like, nice try, Webhead, but you, 
best leave the gargoyle to me. He and I have tangled a time or two before. I'm like, boring. Sorry, Captain America. <laughs> and it just goes on. Like, it's just remarkable how much more interesting Spider-Man is and comical he is. And it really, these play up his comedy so well, I think. I believe Mr. Fantastic took a shot at his comedy. He did. Right away. I was going to mention that. He's like, he says, uh, yeah, I wrote it down here. First of all, Spider-Man says at one point, hey, in case you haven't checked a calendar lately, Richards, it's October. April Fool's Day was months ago. And then he hits him with a, this is no joke, web slinger. And then later... He gives him, he says, I'm in, or, or before he says, I'm in no mood for your so-called humor right now, Spider-Man, in quotes. Jeez. Do you know you're in a Marvel team-up, Reed Richards? Because that's not how these play out. <laughs> and it's only joke he said was like, talk about a boarding house reach when he reached his armor cross. Yes. He's like, hey, I'm not in the mood for your humor. <laughs> it's terrible. It just reminds me why I like reading Spider-Man so much more than a lot of these other guys. Is there a Spider-Man in there, James B? No, no, you don't get a Spider-Man with this one. That's that's probably from a different what, set. What what about a Captain Marvel would be nice? From the Captain Marvel, you get a Moloid. That's like good. You could have the Moloid. <laughs> a, a portly older gentleman with a cane? Um, not. No, you're not getting the Mole Man. You're getting oh, a, a Moloid. It's one of the henchmen. Oh. You, oh, okay. you're trying to like redo this whole pack, we, Eddie. Eddie, yeah, I one more time. For at least an orb. You get Nathaniel the drunk dock worker, Doctor Dorcas, a... Roxanne's father, Crash, and a Moloid. That's no. a four pack. Enjoy, right. enjoy your toys, it's, Eddie. It's a deal if they throw in an orb helmet. I'm good with that. Are they going to be able to do that? For no, me? Eddie, you can't just make up your own toys. 